Everybody, welcome to Down and Out, the sports and entertainment podcast, taking the world by storm. Dom Tibbetts alongside Evan Ryer, two what sports quote-unquote professionals, giving our best shot at the world of podcasting, but we like to have fun, keep things loose, and a lot to get to today. First of all, shout out, that's Man in the Mirror, Buddha, JD Masters, great song, great friends of the program, go check it out, SoundCloud, YouTube. Super Hot Fire, Super Hot Fire, Bing Bang Bow, go check it out, like I said, SoundCloud, YouTube, anywhere you stream music, where you can stream this uh, this podcast, you'll find that fire music. Uh, it's a Saturday morning, we're recording this, a lot to get to, as I mentioned, the draft, UFC, Tiger Woods is back, baby, but first off, Evan, how you doing this fine morning? Doing solid, doing solid. I, uh, I'm i honestly shocked at how good I feel considering how little sleep I got last night, but that's kind of the norm at this point. I, uh, I think the life of what we do especially is like, hey, I bet you uh, you, you better run on, on very little sleep because that's life. Yeah, I, I think that's why coffee becomes best for I, I swear to God, since I moved to Tallahassee, and I, I drank a good amount of coffee when I lived with you in Butte, and, you know, we were together in, in Montana and stuff, but the, the minute I moved to Tallahassee, I just became a coffee fiend, like at least one to two cups a day, at, at minimum. I've always been that way, and honestly, over time, I've, you know, kind of become a degenerate in some ways where I truly am a believer in five-hour energies, and they'll probably give me, like, cancer. I'll probably die in, like, ten years, but um, but <laughs> It was things, a life well-lived. Those things rock. They, they really do, and, like, you know, especially considering that, you know, coffee with the, the bathroom trips, you know, you get, get some heartburn because of the coffee. You know, you can, uh, if, if I love, and I do love coffee, I love drinking it, like the experience of it, but sometimes you just need to, uh, hate yourself and also be energetic while doing it. So that's what five hour energy is for. Absolutely. Well, and, uh, I guess we'll just get going here while we have this energy, uh, NFL draft coming up next week. It's obviously something we've been talking about a lot, really dope through the first round. I I think by now, you know, where our opinions are. Uh, where the national media, where their opinions are and stuff. But being uh, fans of the Buffalo Bills and the Jacksonville Jaguars as we are, uh, want to talk about where we think outside of the norms of where the position-wise, what our teams are expected to, to get in this year's draft, some additional needs that only insiders like me and you would know about our teams because obviously we're goaded and we know everything about our teams. We're, we're basically general managers of our favorite NFL teams, in case you all didn't know. so <laughs> uh, We I, we should be anyways. Yeah, I, I, I'm waiting for Brandon Bean to give me the call and be like, I, I needed Dom Tibbetts. I don't know why it's taken so long, but I got to get him out of Tallahassee and bring him on down, down to Buffalo because uh, the Queen City needs him. Yeah, desperately. Uh, Evan, I guess, you know, obviously there's so much that the Jaguars get with the hype of trying to go after Trevor Lawrence and uh, assuming they all are, unless doomsday scenario happens. But you've talked about it a little bit. There's a lot of other positions that you would like to see uh, selected. And I guess where where is that kind of that underlying position need that the Jags have that is not being talked about? 
Yeah, so really with the the Jags picks, you know, after Trevor Lawrence, of course, it's 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 kind of weird because you've got Tyson Olalu who was supposed to sign with the Jaguars. He he announced that he was going to, you know, they announced the deal, and then he actually went back and said, "JK, I'm I'm sticking around in Pittsburgh because I don't want to move my kids." You know, pretty demoralizing because I was really excited to have Alalu return and I thought he was going to provide a, a really solid impact. Now the Jaguars need to think, you know, with that next pick or maybe in early in the second round or their their second second round pick is is to get, you know, a defensive lineman that's not only talented but a guy that is kind of versatile like Alalu is because Alalu has played like three or four different positions along the defensive line over his career. Um, so that's going to be crucial you know a lot of people seem to like Christian Barmore from Alabama which I think he's great but um, you know they seem to like him at that 25 spot for the Jaguars Uh, I kind of hope they go receiver it instead Um, they don't necessarily that's not such a dire need but there's so much receiving talent Um, and uh, I, I, I really you know I really think that they might be able to get their hands on somebody you know maybe if they trade up or even if they don't um, and then, uh, you know, obviously the tight end is a, is a need for sure. Um, but with, with tight end, I really, really hope they don't reach in the first round. That's my number one thing when picking a tight end. They can well, honestly I feel pick like, one. I feel like it's, it's, if you're thinking tight end, it's Kyle Pitts or Bust at that point. So why why try to go get a tight end in the first round or the second round anyways if you're not going to get Kyle Pitts? Well, there's Pat Fryermuth from, uh, from Penn State who is – talented and does look like a, a very solid prospect, not a generational talent like Kyle Pitts. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, go, go get him in the second round. You know, if you, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're at that 33 spot and you're like, damn, I feel like he's going to go before then, you know, you're doing your research, then, you know, go take, you can take him at the 33 pick, but please don't take him at 25. I, I just would, I would feel bad about that. Um, and then, you know, obviously safety and cornerback. I feel like I feel like they'll address safety before they hit uh day three for sure. It'll be curious to see if they do it in round two or round three or potentially round one. There's a lot of people that think they'll go for Trevor Morig, which I've brought up before. Um but it's it's tough because really, you know, I think in a lot of ways with the Jaguars first, you know, three rounds, after Lawrence, I feel like it's it's in a lot of ways. I feel like if they just draft the best player available, it's a good idea. Like truly, because they're really not at a point where they where they need like they don't have uh, uh, any spots on the team that can't be improved in some way or another. That being said, offensive line depth this year in the draft is not especially great. So they could and they they definitely could use you know some some depth or a guy that could potentially be really good. But I just don't know if that dude's out there. So, yeah, understandable. Um, I I guess in the Bills' case, it's more so. I I feel very similar in the fact that because it's established with Buffalo, they need an edge rusher, they need an interior defensive lineman, and they uh, need help in the cornerback position as well. Get another get another good cornerback. Brandon Bean in, in the three drafts that he's been with us, uh, four drafts actually now I believe uh, coming up is. You know, he's a guy who he'll see the team needs, but he'll necessarily won't draft so much with that as the hyper focus. I think a lot of the reasons why Bills Mafia has kind of, you know, 
gotten so behind of what he's done and trust the process is the motto is because you know he's gone out and he, he finds a guy like Gabe Davis in the fourth round and, and Gabe Davis turns into one of the best rookie wide receivers the Bills have had statistically in a, in a very long time and I, I obviously he's won over the hearts with the Allen pick uh, the Ed Oliver you know, pickup was huge as well back in 20, uh, 2018, excuse me. But I think with the defensive positions the Bills need, I think they go and grab uh, – I, th- I think they go grab their edge rusher. I think they get, grab the dude out of Miami. Um, and they come back, probably get a corner in the second round just because I think the corner position is so deep in this year's draft. I also wouldn't be surprised if they waited the third round. Now, mind you, this is if Buffalo doesn't also trade away their pick. So I guess where I would like to see maybe the Bills make a move where I think uh, Brandon Bean is kind of maybe has his head thinking as well as would love to see an, a running back. And I'm talking like a deeper back. This is assuming that Travis Etienne and Najee Harris, uh, are both taken off the board, which I presume they will be in the first. I don't know if you saw the, the Steelers, uh, article recently came out about the Steelers just head over shoulders about Najee Harris like that. Like the Pittsburgh Steelers might be taking Najee Harris with their their first pick in the first round. Like over tra- if Travis isn't taken by then. I mean, I love Najee, and I think I think that would be a sick fit for uh, for him. I will say though, if he's available at thirty three, and the Jags think they can get Firemuth at forty five, man, because I the thing is the only issue is is that Najee and James Robinson are very similar. But I do think having two really, really good, young, you know, you can depend on running backs to pair with Trevor Lawrence would be sick. But but go ahead. No, and I, I just wanted to bring that up because I don't necessarily I, – I, I thinking running back because you have Devin Singletary who's coming up on the last year of his rookie contract. You already have Zach Moss signed for the next two seasons on his rookie deal. You're probably trying to bring in somebody else to see, you know, and kind of make Devin prove if, if, if he's a guy or not. If that doesn't happen, I think we go receiver, and I'm looking towards the later rounds. I've seen him in a couple different mocks, and I do like his tape. But I've seen is uh, Marquez Stevenson out of Houston. Uh, just I, I like his ability as a route runner. You know, he's he's not a, not a taller guy. He kind of runs in the more of a, a slot frame that I think John Brown would run. It's about six foot even, but he's fast, good route runner. Um, I, I I like I like the Bills to get. If they're going to go receiver, I like this in the later round because obviously I think he's going to be there. Um, it's it's kind of the the need where I would like to see like you with the the Jaguars. I think the Bills could do really well with another good established wide receiver. You know, because I don't know how much longer Cole Beasley or John Brown contract wise, how much longer it's going to make sense for Buffalo to keep holding on to these guys. So that's just my, my only kind of question mark, my, my head scratcher in a sense there. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's overall, I think it's in a good position. or It's a good problem to have is if, you know, we come into the training camp with six or seven, you know, 55-man roster type receivers. I think that's a good problem for Buffalo to have because it hasn't always been that way with us. Receiver and running back, I'll, I'll say, just to wrap up my long point here, is where I want to see Buffalo make a move for if it's not defensively. And let me just make it clear too. 
let's address the defense first. Like I'm already just assuming that we go get an edge rusher or an interior lineman or a cornerback in the first two or three rounds. I'm talking later rounds. That's where I'd like to see Buffalo go make a move. But Brandon Bean has done this time and time again. He's a big surpriser, and uh, he doesn't draft for need. He'll draft for what he thinks will make the team overall better in the in the future moving forward. So I trust him, and uh, we'll, we'll just see what the, what the genius has to offer. Fair enough. This will be obviously for the Jaguars too. You know, a huge interesting part of this is the fact that it's you know Trent Balka is our new GM, and you know haven't seen that dude draft before. So we'll you know it's easy to be uh, overreactive, but it'll be curious to see you know who he selects and 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 you know what it feels like because truly you know Dave Caldwell a lot of times his picks on paper you know our previous GM were fantastic. There were a lot of times where it's like, wow, he got a guy that, you know, feels like a really good value for that spot. And it's also addressing a need. But the issue is, is that there's just a bunch of like picks that just never really panned out. You know, Taven Bryan, high, um, high paper value, low field value, basically. Right. Like they, they, they felt good at the time, but then very quickly you understood, Oh, this guy is not like, not the deal. I mean, um, so yeah, it'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see, and I'm very fortunate to have uh, an early shift on Thursday, so I can actually watch uh, the first round, and I'm uh, I'm gonna be can't can't wait to cry, can't wait to cry as I see Trevor Lawrence put on a Jaguars hat. Yeah, and, um, and we'll and we'll have an episode out before the actual draft where we kind of just we'll do. I say we do our official. Stuff. We do like an official mock. We'll do our official mocks on uh on Wednesday or Tuesday or Wednesday's episode. Agreed. Yeah. So that that we'll, we'll finally tie it in a bow because I know for a lot of people who don't care about the NFL or the NFL draft, we've been talking about it a lot in this episode. But this is like more and more years than and than others. This is such a huge draft, and I think the the coming off the pandemic is well in the later half of this pandemic, I should say, kind of heightens it as well. But we'll, we'll, we'll put the bow on it, and then we'll finally be able to look forward to talking about the the amount of content we'll be able to get from uh, from guys who are now finally have their home, and, and are they a good fit and whatnot. And yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun next couple weeks. And I, I like you have been this entire week or two. I'm so excited for Thursday. I cannot wait. Same, and it's hard not to even get more excited when you know you've already got blockbuster trades happening for the draft, as uh, we see with uh, Kansas City and uh, and Baltimore. You know, Kansas City. It's so funny to me. It's because like obviously, you know, you kind of wondered after the Super Bowl loss. You're just you know, and the way they lost it, it's just like you know, what what does Kansas City do to kind of get back on the wagon here? And I think it was very evident, as you saw. In that Super Bowl, with a, with a very talented front four that Tampa Bay had on defense, right? But you very much saw that their weakness right there was that offensive line. It was played by injuries in the Super Bowl, but you very much saw that that was a weak point that had to be addressed in the offseason. And the ah, the damn Andy Reid and 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 the the ownership of the Kansas City Chiefs, man, they they just went to work, and now they've pretty much fixed that problem in the matter of three months. It's incredible how fast they work to to really seal up that 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 issue. Well, it's you know it's it's a it's just a testament of having leverage, right? You know, I mean, you know, Kansas City is ready to win Super Bowls right now. So if you're you know a player 
you're you're obviously never going to be against that type of move. And then you know it's with the with the trade that you know uh, the Ravens and Chiefs made, which you know for for anybody that's not quite sure on all the details, Orlando Brown, uh, really really good tackle who can play on both sides of the offensive line, went to the Kansas City Chiefs in exchange for uh, the Chiefs giving up their first round pick, but the Chiefs also got the Ravens second round pick. So while the Ravens will have two first rounders, the Chiefs now have a, you know, what is in my eyes, a franchise tackle and they're going to have two second round picks that, you know, you can still go get some sincere talent and depth. And, uh, and so, I mean, I think all around it was a smart move for both teams. I think it's a win-win, but with the Chiefs, it's definitely a bit more of it's a it's a win more thing because yeah. there was no like I mentioned earlier, not a ton of offensive talent in the draft or offensive line talent in the draft this year. Not super high level. You know, Penny Sewell is going to go early, but after that, it gets kind of sparse. Um, so, I mean, you 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 address a crucial need. And then at the same time, you know, you move back like 20 spots. You know, they gave up their third and fourth round picks this year, too. So it's not like they're, you know, completely devoid. But the way I see it is Orlando Brown and two top 60 talents, basically. I mean, that's a that's a damn good place to be. And I, I think if you're Kansas City, you got to be also thinking that you could sacrifice the first-round picks because, let's just be honest, Kansas City has enough weapons where they can easily, more than a lot of other teams, and really that I think a lot of other teams that aren't the Tampa Bay Buccaneers can make that kind of decision where they can get themselves out of a higher pick, out of the first round, and they're still going to be fine, and they're still going to be ultimately competing for a, another Super Bowl in my mind. I mean, I and they're still the team to beat in the AFC with no matter what happens in this draft and no matter what comes out. I mean, you have Patrick Mahomes alone, right? And then you add that with, with CHE, Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill. It's, it, I think it was a good way to put it, what you said. It's a win-more move for Kansas City. Great pickup for Baltimore, who's trying to kind of reestablish itself, make sure it locks up the AFC North again. But Kansas City, I feel like, could have made that move more comfortably than a lot of other teams, and they did, and I think it'll pay off in the long run for them. I also think it's worth pointing out, though, that, you know, it's interesting. I, I, I've i seen a couple of people bring this up, but I thought there would be more talk about it. Um, so, you know, the Ravens are going to end up having uh, – the Ravens are going to end up having the 27th and 31st pick. I don't know if that's enough, but they might be able to package that and some more picks, trade up early in the first round, you know, to the top, to a 10 spot, to a 12 spot, um, and try and get uh, a Sewell from Oregon. The the I mean, that, you know, you just lost Orlando Brown. You know, I know they have other needs they need to address too, but in terms of getting a guy that, to me, is going to be another franchise tackle and immediately just slot them back in. I mean, you could see them trade up. Um, I, it, I think it's very much so because you look and you know because right now I think I think uh, Sewell is is very much kind of a lock in a lot of drafts to go fifth overall to Cincinnati, but Atlanta has very vocally been a team that said they would be willing to trade out of that that top ten spot. That I you you throw that package in maybe a couple more picks. Yeah, it like, would take a lot. It would take a lot though to move from twenty seven and thirty one to like top ten, but but it's, I, I mean, I it's not out it, of the I realm of possibility. I wouldn't, I wouldn't put it past the, the Ravens and I'm sure the, the Falcons, if they got enough, would very easily make that trade. So then all of a sudden you're you're getting Baltimore 
drafting fourth overall. You know, I, I know it's a little bit of a stretch, but it's definitely in that realm of possibility. That's, I mean, yeah, you got you got to be thinking uh, Penny Sewell right there. Uh, I I don't think it's you think possible. anybody else. So. Very interesting. That's a that's actually a really good point too to bring up because let, let's just also like not to fair to mention like the best part of a draft is when Roger Goodell comes out and you're expecting like let's say like the 49ers to make a pick. I'm just using this as an example, right? And the first thing he says is not with the 45th overall pick or the fourth overall pick. It's the San Francisco 49ers have traded the fourth overall pick to like yeah. the ball. Like that's goosebumps. I'm like, oh, oh, cause I'll never forget when the bills did that. And we got Josh Allen out of it, you know? So it's, and look what happened. The greatest quarterback in the world came to Buffalo. So it's uh, it, for the Jets. <laughs> I, I will, I, I will bring up. It's a rare feeling for me too, though, because like the Jaguars very rarely trade early. Like they've, there's been so many times over the years where it seems like they would be in a spot to but trade Buffalo out. Buffalo was honestly the same way before the Tremaine Edmonds and and Josh Allen. So I feel you there. Yeah, I think the last time we traded up in the first round might have been to get Blaine Gabbert. So you know, good, and, and, and good we times. all know, and we all know how. Just a terrific move that was for the rest of franchise. the franchise. For the Fran- rest, <laughs> we know how much that was a good move for the rest of the NFL, not the Jacksonville Jaguars. The AFC, AFC South loved it. They loved it. Um, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's uh, tingling my bum hole. Very excited for the damn draft. Yeah, well, as, as Evan said, you know, I think we're going to get our full mock-up. We'll get you ready we'll, uh, for our, our show midweek uh, coming up next week. It's going to be a lot to talk about, and whew, it's going to be a lot of. A lot of possible scenarios. I can't wait to see what happens. Be sure to stick with Down and Out, your NFL Draft Central. We'll have all that coming up next week. Uh, big fights tonight, Evan. Big fights going on. UFC 261, three title fights on the card. Kamari Usman, Jorge Masvidal headlining it as the main event of the night for the uh, for the, the uh, lightweight title. No, I'm sorry, not the lightweight title. The welterweight title, excuse me. I got to I got to get these weight classes down better. But so many good fights on this card as well in the women's straw weight. Willie Zhang, Rose Numahanas, and then Valentina Shevchenko, uh, Shev, Shevchenko, excuse Shevchenko. me. Shevchenko. Shevchenko. Like you got you got to you got to throw a couple more vowels in there for me in the middle. Like there's just like there's like seven seven syllables in, in the middle of her name alone. So excuse my excuse my pronunciation there and then Jessica Andrade uh, and the women's flyweight to round it out. And that's just, you know, the top three fights. And then the rest of the card is, is pretty spectacular as well. Uh, great fights coming up. I guess let's just start right with, right with Usman and Masvidal, Evan, because Masvidal coming in with a plus 350. The last two times these guys have gone up against each other in the octagon was against each other. Mari Usman came away with the win, so that's why he's coming as the favorite. He's a defending champ. Uh, you know, I, I think I have a feeling this is his to lose, but Masvidal at a plus three fifty. What well, I, I throw down some throw down the house on Masvidal? Question mark. Not the house, but I mean it is tempting <laughs> to it is tempting to throw you know like definitely like a unit or something out there and just be like, well, you know that's going to pay out really well. And Masvidal does seem you know in the in the build up to the fight. I mean he's uh, he does look impressive, but. That being said, I mean it's 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 less about how you look, you know, outside the ring, and it's how it's more about how you look inside the ring, obviously. And the last time we saw them face off, I mean, Usman was just, 
I mean, absolutely savage. I mean, he, he like like you know, we were talking about this earlier today. It's like you wouldn't want to go in the ring with any of these dudes, but there's one guy in particular fighting tonight. It's it's Usman that you just do not want to be on the other side of. Yeah, I I think uh, Usman has definitely established himself as the best welterweight in the UFC right now, and he's also achieving the levels where I think he's starting to assert himself as one of, if not the best welterweight the UFC has seen. Uh, with a guy who fights the way he does and the the prowess that he brings into the ring, it, it's kind of a spectacle, and it's so much fun to watch because he's a he's just a savage. He's an absolute savage inside of the octagon, and he's relentless. There is no mercy. He, his last fight against Jorge, Jorge against Masvidal was kind of a, a, a almost scripted beauty. It really did look like he knew every punch that Masvidal was going to throw. He knew every punch that he was going to throw, and he knew they were going to land. And he knew tactically what he had to do to win, and he executed it to, executed it to perfection. And I expect nothing less out of it tonight. Um, I, I I've just I won't bet against that and that's why even though that plus 350 is very tempting because that's a nice big payout depending on how much change you want to throw down on that you know if you want to be want to be risky and throw down a unit so be it but to me it's just it's it's Usman's fight it's Usman's fights to lose I don't see it happening but you know crazier things have happened in the world of MMA yeah no doubt and uh and uh, yeah, that's the thing, man. Is that that's that's why uh, that's why we love it is because you really don't know, and uh, it's it's uh, it's 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 definitely going to be you know like you said it's a it's a fantastic card top to bottom though. It's not just that fight, right? So I mean, I also am particularly looking forward to uh, Shevchenko fighting. Which the only reason why I get that name right is because a very famous AC Milan uh, soccer player uh, it had the last name Shevchenko, so I'm slightly familiar with it. But uh, that I, I I also think it's her fight to lose in that matchup. Mm-hmm. But another case where you know the underdog is like plus three fifty again, and it's kind of tempting to be like, well, you know, you could probably just do one and one one unit a piece, and then maybe you get lucky. And you know, if you do one unit a piece, you're gonna get paid out. Like uh, you know, you're gonna make a profit if you if you bet on both underdogs. But you know, you could also very easily just lose two units real quick. Oh, and I'm trying to. I want to pull up. Um, there, there, there's Andrade's record. So Andrade has a 21 and eight overall record in her history in the MMA. Uh, she's fought in, uh, what was that, 29 to 23. So six more fights than Shish, uh, than Shishenko has in her career. It's if if I were to pick out of the the, the two plus three fifties, I, I would give the edge on an upset to Andrade just because I think in the flyweight. Uh, it, it just come. It oftentimes just comes down to how does one strike, how does one take down, how does one, how does one move kind of affect the whole the di- the dynamic of the fight, so to speak. So that's kind of where I would lean. If if you're thinking you want to bet something on a plus three fifty odd, I think go with Andrade over Masvidal just because I think in that women's flyweight there's a lot more room for flexibility and a lot more uncertainty in in terms of what can happen uh but don't get it wrong uh shishenko is uh she's also just ruthless savage bad and bougie whatever you want to say uh she's she's fearless and i don't want to step in the ring against her now mind you she's just five foot four but she has a four inch reach advantage over jessica andrade she has a three inch height advantage and she comes in 10 pounds heavier so 
you know, you yeah. never want you never want to judge a book by its cover, right? But I, I, in this case, the cover of this book is significantly better than the opponent. Yeah, the cover of this book is titled like "Huge Physical Advantage." Um, <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, if I, you know, Dom, you know, I'll, I'll go ahead and be the first to say that, you know, Dom watches uh, USC a bit more consistently than I do. And it's, uh, I, it's something I enjoy, but, you know, generally I tune in on the pay-per-views and on the big fights and don't really keep up. Otherwise, you were pitching me this uh, Anthony Smith, Jim Crute fight as like one that's really going to be entertaining. Yeah, I was, and I think it's just because you know Jimmy Crude is this guy in the light heavyweight that we could be seeing coming up, and you know uh, there's a lot of similarities in the style when he gets into the ring, uh, a lot more similarities to than I, I would assume a guy like uh, who am I trying to think of here, like John Jones and other good light heavyweight guys who are coming up into you know Dan, Daniel Cormier has, has actually sung his praises quite a bit in his time inside the octagon as well. And, you know, he comes in at, at, at a two, uh, minus 200 favorite, which I think is fair for the talent that he brings in. But let's also just not mention the fact that Anthony Smith is very much an up-and-comer who has also gotten his praises sung by the best to ever do it in the light heavyweight as well. I think plus 170 is right about... I think it's a fitting line. I think Vegas got this this line right on this fight. But... This is one where I, if if I felt certain about betting any sort of underdog, I, I would definitely try to take Anthony Smith because this really is I, I, on paper. I think it, it could be really a 50-50 fight between Jimmy Crew and Anthony Smith. There is a lot of lot of potential for this fight to kind of become its own series because I think both Crew and Anthony Smith become title contenders in, in the years to come in their careers in the light heavyweight, and there's very talented and you know they bring a lot of similarities into the ring uh jimmy crude just has a lot in more recent fights jimmy crude has had a little bit more success than anthony smith has i think that's why he comes in as a favorite but it's god it's just for for an undercard fight that leads up to you know the three main event three title fights in that night you have 261 is worth your money if you're going out and buying the pay-per-view uh, and i think it really starts with that crude fight and he's and mind you they're not even like the, the the fight before the the co-main event star you know you still get Chris Weedman and Uriah Hall in the middleweight bout going before you get you before you get Shifanko and and Andrade so yeah whew, just so much this is one of the best cards I know why Dana White has been so hype about it because UFC UFC 261 is looking really really good and one of the best cards that doesn't have Conor McGregor on it that I, I've seen in a long time. So really looking forward to this fight tonight. Should be a really action-packed night all all across the board. I'm a, I'm pretty jealous of all my friends and family in Jacksonville. They're going um, right. It's a, Shout yeah, out veteran, Veterans Memorials Arena. So it's the first um, time in over a year that the UFC also has fans coming in and and watching the fight in person as well. So you know, sign yeah. the times, cool. But only in Florida could you pull that? <laughs> could you pull that one? Yeah, off? I was gonna say Florida. Florida is down to clown until they're in the ground, and uh, and you know Jacksonville, especially, is the type of place that loves loves that kind of thing. And so I uh, I bet the I bet the atmosphere will be electric and. Uh, and you know, I uh, I'm I'm gonna be jealous. I'm gonna hate seeing all the snaps and, and Instagram posts for sure. Fifteen uh, fifteen thousand people are expected to pack in pack in the arena. And uh, I mean, that's basically the capacity of the place too. It's very it's not a huge huge arena. Um, I uh, I've seen fighting in that arena before. Granted, 
WWE, but oh but, yeah, yeah, nice. But uh, I like it. I, uh, I yeah, one of my one of my first trips to to you know, uh, I would say it was one of my first trips to that arena was I was like probably five years old, and we went to a WWE uh, like SmackDown you know uh, airing, which was pretty fire and and it's a it's a good setup and and like i said jacksonville's the type of place that they will be all about it it'll be a really good atmosphere in there and i uh i'm not i'm probably not going to be paying myself but probably going to find some friends to watch it with and and uh and hopefully enjoy it yeah and uh speaking of speaking of friends i do want to give a shout out because you uh you told me that he graduated from 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 college today you're going to see him tonight shout out our boy wade graduated from uh, the Highlands College, got his college degree. That boy be educated, Wade. We're proud of you, buddy. We just want to give you a quick shout-out because obviously friend of the program and uh, friend friend of us as well. So congratulations. Hey, put some him. put put some respect on that man's name. That's not he didn't graduate from the Highlands. He graduated from Montana Tech. Oh, that man Montana. is Montana okay. Tech proper. That is proper. Montana. He's an ore digger. Ore digger. But no, I uh yeah, sincere sincere congrats to to Wade and and uh and and you know, I I you know, we we both know this dude firsthand and we know how hard he's grinded and and uh it's it's a it's a joy to see him uh finally wrap it up and yeah, we're going to go uh, get Liddy tonight afterwards, so should be a good time. You've we'll got miss t- you, Dom. Yeah, I, I will miss you guys, too. I'll be there in spirit. Just tell Matt to throw on the UFC fight on the projector screen. Just, you know, get get, yeah. get the stream going. Fuck, you know, fuck, fuck lawsuits. Fuck, you know, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, Dana White just clamps down on the Acoma. Uh, now, uh... I, I, it is, I have heard like horror stories about that though, that like people think they can get away with it, you know, with like, with a pay-per-view or whatever. And then it's like, you know, you end up like having to pay like 50 grand or something yeah. in a lawsuit. It's just like, oh my God, I bet it happens just about every year. I bet um, it does. I, I think it happens more so to restaurants. Like I don't get very fearful about my private use of it, you know, just oh, trying yeah, to use of course the VPN, not. but yeah, definitely if I'm a restaurant owner, I mean, I'll just I'll buy it and then I'll charge people five ten bucks to come in and watch the fight. You know, like easy money. I mean, you make your money back and everybody gets there for a much cheaper price. You drink and eat and have a good time. That's why I used to. Me and my buddies used to go watch it at Buffalo Wild Wings back in our in, in Camillus. You know, that's what we used to do. Is how we used to watch the fights if we didn't want to pay full price for a pay per view. Just go to Buffalo Wild Wings, order some food, and you know you, you pay the same price for a full night of food and drinks. And pay per view, rather is just to pay for the full pay per view at home. So, yeah, there, there's a lot uh, around it. My only hangout with what you just said is that you get food at Buffalo Wild Wings because well, that like, shit is gross. It is, but just keep it to like the. I, I don't stray away from anything, even though their wings aren't great. I just stick to the chicken wings, you know, because it's yeah, not, not the only thing that's hard to mess up. And even though they're not the greatest, it it, it always hits, you know. Uh, but you're not gonna see me ex- diving into a Buffalo Wild Wings menu anytime soon. That's not to certain. not to continue completely on this wing related tangent but do they have a do they have a wild wing cafe in tallahassee dom uh wild i do not believe have you ever heard be- one of those i have not no it's like to me like it's still not like amazing but to me wild wing cafes it's like a chain it is like the 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 better version of what b-dubs is supposed to be it's what b-dubs is supposed to be um so you know at least in terms of a chain you know with chicken wings, man, you're pretty much always going to make better chicken wings on a, on a smoker at home or or going oh, to a mom absolutely. and pop shop. But but 
Yeah, Wild Wing Cafe over B-dubs every day of the week for, you know, all my fucking southern people that, that have been to Wild Wing Cafe, so... Um, and just before we send it to the cash grab, because we do have to make money because we're probably going to get sued for, for defamatory comments from Buffalo Wild Wings. Now, uh, I do want to just come after my ass. I do want to mention just on the restaurant change real quick. I was driving down Monroe Street here in Tallahassee. Um, I don't believe it's the same people as the barbecue place you told me about in, in, in Birmingham, but there is now a Dreamland barbecue in Tallahassee. Oh, that's got to be the same. That's I mean, there's no way it's not the same because okay. that's trademarked. So, yeah, and they ex- they've expanded. Um, okay. So, yeah, we have a, and- we have a Dreamland barbecue in Tallahassee now. So, I was I saw that I was like, "Ooh, I know where I'm going to get lunch this week. I know where I'm taking yeah, my buddies coming in it's, to visit." Uh, you know, the the thing is is that Dreamland, I will say, over the years, you know, it's 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 expanded and of course all the different chain spots are not as good as the OG, which is actually in Tuscaloosa, and it's basically like a walk-up window that you just order at. But yeah, I mean, in terms of just rock-solid barbecue, you won't be disappointed. I recommend uh, ribs first and foremost, and then the the smoked half chickens are really good. Um, that's always a good way to go, and I actually think they have great sides. And one of the crucial things you got to do too is. You know, if you if you sit down, they serve like half a loaf of bread with barbecue sauce. That's like just for free, and that is like. And I, when I say a loaf of like half loaf of bread, I mean like Wonder Bread, not like they made it or anything. They just buy right. Wonder Bread, and it is amazing. My uh, my grandfather pops, uh, he adores it. Like he'll he'll literally say, "We need two orders of the bread because <laughs> I need I need to put down half of this myself." Uh, so yeah. That's your uh, that's your that's your advice for Dreamland. Go get it. All right, awesome, folks. We're gonna be right back. We're gonna go make some money, so we're gonna send it to the cash grab. We'll be right back. This is down and out. Stay with us. Hey guys, Dom here. I want to tell y'all about Anchor.fm. Yes, Anchor.fm. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. First off, it's free, and there's tons of creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Don't know how to get your final product on all the major streaming platforms? Have no fear. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on places like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started and tell them Down and Out sent you. All right, let's get back to the show. Welcome back. Thanks for sticking with us. This is Down and Out, second half of the show underway. And first, some good news to give you all because we talked about it in a couple shows previously. Tiger Woods is photo friendly again, baby. He's on crutches in good spirits on his private golf course. Always good to see him recovering well. He looked, like I said, he looked to be in good spirits. It did the heart well to see that pitcher start surfacing on social media yesterday and uh you know because obviously you know you know how important tiger is to the to the sport of golf and you know just you hope as we've said before hope that this is a step in the right direction for him to recover mentally and physically and get back on the golf course where he belongs yeah you know it's uh it's it's gonna be a long way back and and you know i i'm not counting uh counting you know uh on anything really you know i mean it's it's still such a still such an unknown in terms of what the long-term you know kind of damage and situation is but it is definitely definitely nice to see him you know uh one smiling that's cool he was posted up with a dog great 
great. You're doing fantastic, Tiger. And good, also good on his, and also not to mention too that he was you know uh, standing in like the fairway of like his epic like four hole backyard golf course that he's apparently renovating again. Um, which you want to talk about a dream estate situation, having just like four holes just like outside of your back door yeah. that you can just like go go play whenever you want. That sounds, ugh, I'm, I'm always going to be jealous of that. But no, just in general, really I, nice to see, t- see Tiger just, you know, positive. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want to mention about what it would mean to obviously, because you're a bigger golf guy than I am, but you know, as a guy who does enjoy to get out and play it, I would be playing that course in my boxers and a t-shirt. Like I would never be dressing up for that because how many people oh. say they, they played golf in their boxers? Absolutely not. There's not many. And so sign me up for that. That's, that, that's actually and now a life goal is I'm gonna go get myself a private golf course in my backyard, like maybe I one mean, hole. The par five. I don't want to get, I don't want to get too scandalous, folks. But golf in the nude? Question mark. Golf in the nude? Is it? Has, has Tiger Woods <laughs> played his golf course naked? Who's to say? He, he who's oh, to say? Tiger Woods definitely has in his day. He's he, yeah. I I don't I don't blame him. He wakes up wakes up from an absolute bender after winning after winning a tournament. Take like a Monday or a Tuesday and. He's just got he's just got the honeys around him, and he's just driving the golf course or driving the golf cart down down his course, you know, in his birthday suit, just living the life that we all dream to live. Yeah, I mean, it is the dream. I will say though, golf in the nude still got to wear the still got to wear golf shoes. So that's a look. Yeah, it's a look and a half. Absolutely. Well, so congrats, Tiger. We're hoping the best for you. We're a Tiger-friendly podcast. Come on anytime, Tiger. You know you're welcome. Uh, he's a he's a huge fan of ours. In case you guys didn't, know. yeah, he's he keeps asking when he can get on, and we have to we we keep you know kind of delaying. Yeah, like dude, really focus on your recovery. You know, you don't need to be doing this right now. Well, we told him he could come on today, but we have to talk about the college football expansion talk. So we we were like, sorry, Tiger. Like college football, a little bit more important than you right now. So sorry, Chief. Just come on next time. And he understood, you know, he apologized for trying to inconvenience us, and we understood. We were like, yeah, it's all right, Tiger. You're still Don't worry about it, nerd. Uh, Um. (laughs) But, yeah, I guess, you know, talking about this this college football playoff expansion talks that are just surfacing and rumoring, it it is really interesting to see how in the last five, six years that, you know, the playoff has really, you know, kind of gone from the four-team format, and immediately it just felt like, there was always the potential and always the discussion for it to expand and start including more teams. And I guess really it it starts with the talks about it now possibly going from 6 to 8 to 10 to 12 as of right now, and who knows, maybe more. But I guess, you know, as a guy, as a fan of Alabama, I'll ask you this first, you know, because Alabama is always going to be a top four team, it seems like, for the rest of humanity so long as Nick Saban is coaching there. You know, what are your thoughts on this? Do you agree with them expanding the playoffs? And, if so, how many teams would you like to see in this given scenario? I think I think most college football fans at this point agree that it does need to be expanded. Um, granted, that doesn't necessarily mean it's it's not because like oh well, uh, teams you know like a six ranked or seventh ranked team is going to be able to beat an Alabama or Clemson or what have you, but it's more it's just that there are teams that are deserving that in the current system just can't qualify right like I mean you think about Cincinnati last year I mean you know they had a a really fantastic season and you know undefeated and still didn't get in Um, you know I will say though I am not a person that really thinks it should be like 10 or 12 teams Mm -hmm. Um, I personally think six is perfect I really really like six I think eight 
is an issue because there's really no point. As long as you finish in the top eight, that's all that matters. And there's no really point to, to you know, kind of being, you know, undefeated or, 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 or trying to get the one or two spot. I think six is perfect because the one and two spots would get a buy and you get three V six and four V five and then, you know, so on and so forth. And I just think that that's, I think those six teams at the top each year can all hang with each other, generally speaking. Right. Um, and, you know, it gives a reason still to be, you know, number one or number two. I think in college football, you know, the value of going undefeated is 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 has always been immeasurable. And I don't think that should change. And I think uh, going to six is is a good start. You know, if they think, OK, well, we actually do need to expand it to eight or ten. You know, we cross that point down the road. But I think you start with six and you go from there. I I, I, I like that reasoning, but I, I'm a proponent of 8. And I, I do think 10 and 12 is a little bit too much, but this is why I like 8. I like 8, and you brought up Cincinnati, which I think is a good example. You know, like, I, I think there there are going to be seasons where, you know, you're going to get a, a more of a plethora of teams than maybe the 4 to 6 range that deserve a chance to be competing for a possible run at a national title. And not, not to mention it's also more entertaining, you know, if you start kind of, at including more teams into into the run, you know, you you get teams that can make you know these quote unquote NCAA March Madness Cinderella type runs. But I also think you know the best teams in college football are always gonna are always gonna be there. They're always gonna go win the game because let's just be honest, college football doesn't work and swing the way that college basketball does, obviously. But I like eight because I like the the the, the format of getting you know. Uh, four quarterfinal matchups, two semifinals, you know, round of eight, round of four, and then a national championship. But a lot of uh, topics when it comes to the the inclusion of eight teams is, okay, you get five schools, the, the each of the winners of the power five, and then you get three at large. See, I don't like that at all because how many years in the in recent past have the Pac-12 just been not on the same level as, say, the top three teams in the SEC or the top two teams in the ACC or the top two teams in the Big 12, Big 10, and so on and so forth. I don't like the inclusion that every Power 5 has to be there. I still think, regardless, it should still be the best five teams or the best eight teams, excuse me, in college football that make the eight-team bracket. I don't like. I don't want these automatic bids going to every conference. I want the best eight teams. If, like... What is it like? Ten and ten and two. Oregon is teeter tottering at like that nine or eight spot, or let's just say they're nine and three to make it even worse for them, right? Because a ten and two team ultimately might make it in if you're Oregon. But let's just say Oregon nine and three, right? Winners of the Pac-12. If there's a team out of let's just say let's say let's keep using Cincinnati as an example. If Cincinnati has a better record, better talent wise, and has the ability and the capability to you know make make a deeper run in the postseason than say like a nine and three Oregon would be, then they absolutely should be getting in the bid over them. And I I don't want the Power Five conferences to lock up automatic bids so that it prevents teams like Cincinnati, the under majors, to come up and get their chance at a national championship. So that that's kind of my contingency here is that if you get eight teams. Do not just give automatic bids to the Power Fives. Uh, I, I don't want I don't want to see that at all. I don't want to see nine and three Oregon, nine and three USC competing for a national title when they get absolutely slammed by let's just say LSU or Florida or whoever you know the second best team in the SEC maybe is. 
Yeah, I mean, I I agree. I think eight can work, but like I said, I just I'm I'm so hung up on this idea that like being one or two should matter. Um, I think that's just really the driving force for me. And and yeah, I I definitely definitely agree that if it's going to be eight teams, you don't do you know like win your conference and you go. I I definitely don't agree with that at all. Um, I think it should just be the straight up top eight. Um, now, are you just speaking because you like the one and two? Is just because you know Alabama's always going to be there? I mean, Alabama isn't always going to be there. You know, I mean, there's going to be years where Alabama loses late in the season, or you know, or you know what have you, and they're going to be a four or five or six or something like that. No, I mean, it's I, happened I'm, before. I'm just trying to give the double advocate because you, you could say the same thing about like you know. 2019 LSU it's you know obviously it it, it does matter to be a team that's undefeated and and to go and have a perfect season a Clemson Alabama LSU so on and so forth but to the rest of the college football fans who are enthralled by this idea of expanding the teams you know the fans of the teams that lose one or two games a season like I can already like they're gonna have a problem with that statement you just said and it's not it's not your fault you know it's just that is what it is it's like why why not expand it? Why not make them prove that they can beat everybody if they go get the season if they finish the season undefeated? Well, my counterpoint to that, and this is also this is like just talking from like you know a you know a pure game perspective, but also a business perspective for the NCAA. I, I don't be wrong; you will occasionally get some really good games between the one and the eight, but I can pretty much guarantee you that whoever the one is when they play the eight. 75 to 80 percent of the time to 90 percent of the time it is going to be a blowout mm-hmm. i really do feel that way i really do feel like There's the a- 1v8 2v7 type games are going to be blowouts they're going to be like bowl games they're going to be like like 28 point victories type stuff and we just that's- saw we just saw a 1v3 blowout in the national championship this year so you know i, I, right. I would agree with that point I, I think that's proven the proof is in the pudding so to speak right there and you don't even have to go back that far to, to kind of get that right point so proven. if we're already getting to that point i feel like the more teams we're including the more those like quarterfinals and semifinals, the quarterfinals especially, you know, in an eight-team scenario are just going to be, I mean, the 4v5 might be really good and the 3v6, you know, 2v7 occasionally, but, like, I just can't see a scenario where at least half those games every year aren't just blowouts, like, aren't just, like, curb stops. And I don't know if that makes for great college football entertainment for as fans or for the NCAA. You know what I mean? Do you think people are really, you know, if let's say they expand to eight in the first five years, it's all 1v8 blowouts. No one's going to want to watch the 1v8 game except for the fans, you know, of that particular team. Right. Whereas in a typical playoff scenario, I mean, everybody wanted to watch Clemson versus Ohio State. Everybody wanted to watch Alabama and Notre Dame. Well, I think people knew Alabama and Notre Dame wasn't going to really be close, but like, you still, you know, it's at least a little bit more intriguing. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe the one v eight is it, it gets you it, it gets the entertainment factor going right off the right off the bat. You know, it, it it's it's something that I think could possibly have legs, but as you mentioned, it, it could kind of fizzle out. Because let's just take this past let's let's take the final rankings of twenty twenty for example. And let's just say it's eight teams, right? So Alabama versus Cincinnati, Clemson, Florida, Ohio State, Oklahoma, Notre Dame, Texas A and M. I think are all great matchups. Now, mind you, you know. Let's just say, you know, three years down the road, it's ah, who who's another team that's in here? Let's say the ten team, Iowa State. Iowa State's the eight seed, right? Like Alabama, 
nine out of ten times, uh, you know, in any given Sunday, nine and a half times out of ten, honestly, is going to whoop a team like Cincinnati or Ohio State or Iowa State, excuse me. So I, I guess, yeah, down the road that, that could become kind of boresome and, and, and kind of just redundant just to watch, you know, whether it's Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, whoever that one seed is that year, just kind of continually thump the eight seed but the minute though the minute that that eight seed puts up a good fight and or somehow wins you're gonna lock in that eight seed that 18 postseason for five to six years at least before anybody thinks about trying to reduce or add it actually if anything they would try to add more teams but before but if that happens you're you're not talking reduction at, at any point I feel that. I mean, no. I mean, I feel like as long as they keep expanding, it'll pretty much never revert. I just, again, you know, I just am thinking about scenarios where if you have a 1v8 or a 2v7, you are going to see, like, 20-point spreads, potentially. No joke. Like, you might see a 20-point spread if Alabama played, like, a Cincinnati. Straight up. Bet the house on Cincinnati to cover, baby. Well, I it's it's historically a very bad idea because Alabama is famously <laughs> famously like insane. I forget what the number is, but if you go look under Saban, the amount of times they've covered the spread is like I think they've missed the spread like maybe five times out again, of like no, that's right. Because again, proof the twenty twenty one college football national champion. Also, if you go to if you go to eight teams, you better better limit the amount of regular season games, which, I mean, that's, I think, a given that they would do that. I would hope the NCAA wouldn't be dumbasses, but they proven us wrong before. Yeah. Um, I, was just, and, I was like, I'm almost like, yeah, don't hold your breath about the NCAA, actually. You know? Well, I mean, my thing is, is that I think in a, if you've got three playoff games and a conference tournament game, you know, like if you're or conference final game, like a, you know, SEC championship or whatever, that's four games outside of the regular season. I would say that the regular season needs to be like 10 games in because 14 games is already a ton yeah. for teams. 15 no, games. Excuse me. That's a good point. I just, so it, I, I, but I, you I can't think go I, more than that. And I think we just are in agreement. So, but I do believe that I think like eight for me is the at most limit. It's what I want to see. I, I I would be okay with six, but I just I don't want to see any more than eight. Though. I think once you're getting ten to twelve, that's just a little bit. Yeah, that, to me that comes off more. If you're going past eight teams, to me that's a cash grab. That's that's just you trying to not to plug. It's a cash grab show. no matter what. I yeah. mean the playoff in general as an idea was a cash grab. I mean it's you know you're you're just getting more high profile matchups that actually mean something rather than you know people playing in the Fiesta Bowl which guess what you also still get to do. Yeah. Um, exactly. So yeah, we'll see what it we'll see, we'll see what happens. We're in the very early stages, but it's interesting to see, you know, more details come out about it for sure. And as, as, as I kind of preference in the beginning, you know, like the, the college football playoff is still a rel- relatively new concept and happening that's, you know, going on in, in college football. So it's just, it, it's funny that how quickly it's gone from, okay, implement the college football playoff. And then immediately it almost seemed like within the next year or two, it was, how do we expand this? How do we continually, as you, met, you know, make the, how do we get more money? How do we attract more advertisers? How do we increase the amount of teams and games and bowl games, sponsors we can all get involved in this humongous multi-million, probably billion-dollar production that we put on for you know a month or so at, towards the end of the year? Yep. We will see. We, yes, we will. Well, it's been a uh, it's been a terrific show. We're not done just yet because as we're talking so much about the UFC – 
one of the best things that you get when you're watching a fight, whether it's UFC or WWE or even if you're at a baseball game. You know, some of your best favorite athletes, some of these guys have the greatest walk-up songs in the world. Because obviously, you know, you get Conor McGregor does any anything that's probably dropkick Murphy's, that's Conor McGregor walking out, right? And, you know, and the uh, – Cowboy Cerrone, Donald Cerrone comes out to Frank Sinatra, you know, and it's it's moments like that. They help give you the goosebumps. They build up anticipation for whatever fight you're in. So our top five draft that we're doing here today, we're doing our walk-up, pump-up songs, what gets the people going, and uh, it's going to be, I think, really, I think we I can speak for both of us when I say so many songs to choose from. I have like 10 written down that I've got to try deciphering through right now. But I'm excited for this one because there's a couple on here that I've always wanted to talk about. Well, you uh, you allowed me to pick first last time, so I will give you the honors. Well, and this is why I'm going to take – this is just my number one. And I know that Evan probably wasn't going to take this, but this is like if, if, I'm, if Dom Tibbetts is on a card for UFC 261 tonight – which I probably could be because I'm in peak physical condition to be fighting in the UFC. Um, <laughs> I, I This song would be my number one choice. I already would have it to the music production guy. Uh, they'd already be calling it in. Uh, it's a song that from an artist, and I don't think a lot of people really know unless you're a country music fan. I think, Evan, you will know him because you work for The Outsider. But uh, it's Coulter Wall, and it's Sleeping on the Blacktop. Don't know that song. So, Sorry. No, it's it's okay. I uh, I don't necessarily think I can play a snippet of it because of copyright issues, but I will just tell people to go listen to Sleeping on the Blacktop. Very Johnny Cash sounding. Um, it's He also has the song. It's called The Devil Wears a Suit and Tie, which also was the other one I was tossed up in. I'm not picking it because I'm not taking two Coulter Wall songs, but very Johnny Cash sounding guy, and uh, it just a great song when I'm in the gym. Just trying to get trying to get that extra lift in, extra pump, get myself going. Sleeping on the Blacktop by Culture Wall is my number one pick, because um, I'm gonna I'm gonna die on that hill. So yeah, that's that's my number one pick. Go ahead. Um, yeah, I mean it's tough, really. You know, it's 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 less of like us trying to rank the best songs to come out to, and more just like what are good ones to us, yeah, right? So yeah, absolutely. Um, honestly, for me, I think my number one pick is gonna be Otis. By uh, mm, by Jay Z and Kanye West, yeah, just because it starts really hot, it's it's really really it's fire right out the gate, and then it only gets better. I mean, it's arguably their best song that they ever made together, if you ask me. It makes um, it easier. It's such a it's such a vibe. Um, too bad. Too bad. Yeah, and uh, so yeah, um, yeah. I think a, uh, that's a good pick. I think it's just a rock solid choice, and and uh, you know, it's a song that even ten years you know, nine years down the road after its release is still something that gets people up. So, okay. Uh, I like that. that. That's a good pick. That's a good pick. Um, I, I know that Evan's going to win that first pick. I know he's going to win that first overall selection draft because sleeping on the blacktop was a, just a personal preference. That to me, a lot more recognition with Otis, which I do agree is a terrific song, but I'm going to come back with a, one that a lot of people know for my number two, it's trophies by young money featuring Drake. Yeah, that's a great choice always. I mean, that's um, a that's a easy easy bet. Bitch, I go to trees with a suitcase. I buy my now, whole country on a new wave. It's uh, it's it's. I mean, that song is 
even now, like fresh, like, I yeah. mean, it's, it's played a lot, but even now, if I hear that song, I'm like, I, I'm, you know, especially if I'm at like the bar or something like that, I'm like, all right, hell yeah. Yeah. Let's like, go. Let's go. Like, let, 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 let's line up seven. Let's do seven. Uh, let's do, oh my God. I'm, for, I'm forgetting the, the most famous shot that you can take at the Acoma. Oh my God. One of my. Huck bomb. Huck bomb. Thank you. Oh my God. I feel disgraced. With liquid ice. Yeah, I, do. I feel disgraced that I'm forgetting a huck bomb. But if I, yeah, if I hear, if I hear trophies by Young Money, I'm, I'm looking at you across the bar, and I don't even have to say anything. We're both lining up seven huck bombs with, with our boys, and we're slamming them to the face. That's a given. Nope. Uh, in response to you picking a Drake song, I will also pick a Drake song because I have a different one out on here. Okay. Um, uh, uh, I'm gonna go with Energy. Um, yeah, good one. That's I think good. I think energy is flames. I think it's flames, and I also think the the opening of like the burner, like that beat is really really kind of, you know, it's not like high intensity, but it's 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 definitely you know uh, striking and and another song that really starts off hot, builds up very well when Drake actually starts rapping and and I mean I would say if you're reading this it's too late is probably the only Drake album that I truly truly love I mean I it's not to say he doesn't have other really great albums but that's just like one of my all-time favorites and energy is like just like trophies still a banger yep nope I, I agree with that that's, that's good all right so uh just to recap our two picks here sleeping on the blacktop trophies by young money and Drake uh, sleep on the blacktop is culture wall. That's my two picks. Evan has taken Otis, Kanye West, and uh, Jay Z, and then he just took Energy by Drake. So my number three, hmm, kind of toss between the two of them here, but I'm gonna go ahead and take it. Uh, White Stripes, Seven Nation Army. That's gonna yeah, be, that's a great choice. Uh, that's yeah. that's my that's my number three, just because I, I I think just the the intro music, the drum, it's synonymous. Just people know it, it, it gets you going. It's provocative. It gets the people going. So uh, I I think that was kind of the one I needed to take it the three spot there to help kind of bring my list back up to par here, and I'm happy I did. So yeah, uh, White Stripes, Seven Nation Army is my number three. I think we're coming full circle too to where you know there was a period of time where. It, you know, I mean, at a lot of American sporting events, you're always going to hear Seven Nation Army. But, you know, it's like a song to pick. It's it's coming full circle to where it's like we've gotten, you know, several years past the point where it was always picked. So I think that works. Um, in response, I'm going to pick uh, 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 a metal song, um, Run to the Hills by Iron Maiden. Um, I don't know if you know this song, Dom, but little, it's a. a uh, I know who Iron Maiden is. I'm a little unfamiliar with that with the song though. Run to the Hills is one of their biggest hits, and believe it or not, when I was like playing like 11 year old baseball, was my walk up music, um, which my dad th- was like so stoked about in retrospect. But uh, it's uh, it's basically just this really fucking sick song um, that's uh, kind of just about like. It, well, technically, it's about, like, you know, like, Americans, like, you know, like, pilgrims, like, killing in Native Americans and, uh-huh. like, and, and, and whatever, but but it's also just, like, this unbelievable, like, b- epic ballad and, and is just, uh, uh, starts out the gate, again, another song that's, like, you know, really strong from the first, uh, for, from the first, like, beat of the drum and, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's it's compared to the last two picks, definitely a bit different. But I think I also have another curveball uh, to share uh, once we get later in. All right, all right. So that's that's your third pick. I'll go with my fourth here. Hmm. 
Again, I, 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 there, this one's just sticking out, and I've got to take it. I've got to take it, but I am going to go back to the countryside, and I kind of mentioned him earlier because he sounds like Coulter Wall, but I am going to take Johnny Cash's God's Gonna Cut You Down. Yeah, a lot of people like that one, of course. That's always a, it's just a, you know, intense-ass song. Yeah, it, 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 it just also fits into where my, my, as a lot of people can tell, I'm basically like really popular-ass hip-hop and rap is what I'm going to do, or I'm just going to do country songs as my walk-up. That's kind of my, that's my, that's my forte, but uh, that's, that's going to be my number four. I wanted to take that because, you know, that's, that, that, that's a song that no matter when I hear it, I, I could be at church, but I, I will look up to the heavens and say, Jesus, we're, we're about to get physical. I'm about to throw hands inside your, inside your house, my brother. I'm sorry, but uh, it, shit's about to go down. Okay, so I'm going to go ahead and do my curveball now since you picked another country song. Um, and I'm going to go 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. Oh, um, wow, okay. I, 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 think, I think the song rocks. I think everybody thinks that song rocks. I would have I uh, loved to hear you say Islands in the Stream. Like I, I, oh, that would that be, be, that'd be fire too. That's a vibe. <laughs> That's a vibe to come out to Islands in the Stream. But 9 to 5 by Dolly Parton. You know, another song where it's like the, the opening piano, the bump, 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 like yep. cool. And then Dolly, you know, I mean, we all love Dolly. She's the most likable person probably in history. Um, and uh, and yeah, just a good ass song. And I have to give credit to uh, to a, a Butte Minor player. Uh, Butte, the Butte Minors are a, you know, a legion uh, baseball team. And and uh, and and because Montana doesn't have high school baseball, which is somebody who's not from Montana is still baffling to me. Um, but. Uh, one of their uh, one of their players, I believe it was Evan Starr. You know, we happen to share, you know, same first name. I first game the I went kid to is going places. The first the first game I go to, and I sit down and I just hear nine to five come on. I was like, oh my god, that's awesome! It was great, and so uh, I, I, you know, credit to him, and and yeah, I think I think nine to five would be super. Especially in like a UFC context, would be so funny to like you just hear nine to five as somebody comes on, comes out, hoodie up, fucking belt over shoulder, like just bumping Dolly. That'd be so good. Yeah, uh, I, I I like that. No, I I think I I like nine to five. If I were gonna go with Dolly, I would think I would just do Islands in the Stream, Kenny Rogers. But that's not Dolly. like a. It's, it, yeah, if it's 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 not it's not really a pump. It would just be honestly, I would be appeasing the crowd because I'd probably go up and strike out looking on three straight pitches if I did that. If it's a baseball game, or I'd get my ass knocked out inside of an octagon. But that's just for the fans. That's for everybody just to vibe as I go in and lose and collect my paycheck. True. If I'm just being honest. So, uh, my last pick. It's another. It's a tough one because I was kind of tossed up between. The two two hip hop songs, so I'm going back to hip hop here. But I think the clear f- one I should go with right now is "Power" by Kanye West. Yeah, that's a great one. I mean, uh, obviously. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> there's also like like I almost want to even say "Jesus Walks" too, because I just like that. Yeah, Jesus, Jesus Walks. Walks is so good, dude. That's yeah. probably the one I would if I had to pick up these two. I'd probably take "Jesus Walks" because I just love that song. But um, either one is a fantastic yeah. option. I, I, I went with power over Jesus walks because I, I just heard I've heard power. Believe it or not, I've heard power 
at more baseball fights and more walks. Oh, for songs sure, than for I've sure. Heard Jesus walks, but and, power. But we're power on the same was a page. way bigger song. Yeah, but we're on the same page that like Jesus walks. Like if, like like if I'm a pitcher and a guy comes up to Jesus walks, I'm walking him on four straight pitches. I am not pitching to that man because that man is on a mission sent by God to hum. As I hum 95 down the middle, he blasts that to the to the to the moon, as they say. So yeah, no way, no way, Jose. All right, Evan, give us your last fifth overall pick here. Um, this one's, uh, you know, kind of just more going on like personal music that I adore. Um, I'm going to go with Check by Young Thug. Um, it was kind of his first solo hit. Um, everybody remembers Lifestyle, but uh, that was Check was kind of his first song that really blew up uh, that was just him. Um, and it's just, I don't know. Even I listened to it last night, like even today, still like just one of my favorite songs, still just like absolutely, you know, epitomizes how banging music uh, Young Thug can make. And uh, and not to mention that the the beat beat is uh, damn hard. So um, so that's uh, that's probably my uh, that's that's got to be my last one. And do you have any honorable mentions? Um. I was just thinking about that. Uh, I think, man, what was it? I had it on the. Did you have one? Go ahead, real yeah, quick. Yeah, I've for got. A yeah, I've got actually a couple honorable mentions. So I was gonna get back into my emo phase because I do like. I'm a Panic at the Disco fan as well. More so for just for Brendan Gross. Um Hallelujah by Panic at the Disco was. It's just always. A, I, I like listening to it. It's just a song I was thinking about. I was also about to drop. Na 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 by My Chemical Romance. That's literally the name of the song. It's just it's like seven nas in a row. Uh, that was like like I said, that was off my emo phase. Um, I know you probably weren't thinking either of those, so uh, that's why I'm gonna drop those. What? Oh, uh, another one I had on my list was Lose Yourself by Eminem. Yeah, of course. Because that's yeah, just a classic. I mean, that was kind uh, of that, it was between that and Power. That was the one I was kind of like tossed up on a little bit. My uh, two honorable mentions are going to be Cream by Wu-Tang Clan. Yep, um, that's a good one. Always, always sick. A little bit chiller, but, I mean, just a song that people know right away, and it's and it's banging. Um, that, and then uh, it's it's kind of maybe a more basic pick, but... Uh, um, basic po- uh, basic picks play, though. You know, people, the, yeah, voters, uh, the voters will like it. Butterfly Effect by Travis Scott. Yep, um, is a just a killer fucking song. And you could have went with Sicko uh, Mode too, even like you know, a bit. Yeah, we'll get the I don't know. I like Sicko Mode, but I think it's a little too like segmented to be like a walk up song for me personally. I kind of like how Butterfly Effect is like right when you hit play, it's the the beat kicks in, and then within ten seconds, for this life I cannot change, and like, you know, yeah. it's, it's just... It's banging, I actually so. had, I was, I just kind of thought of one, and I wouldn't have put this on my list anyway, so I, I'm not like butthurt that I didn't pick it, but it's a song that you showed me, a group that you got me into, it's Sixes to Nines by Big Wild. Yeah, I, I, but, I do but, love... But, but at the drop, though, because the, the build-up is a little long, I need like the, you turn my sixes to nines... Frequently, I, like that's when I want to start walking up, and then it just the beat drops. I also want to throw out um, "Blue Monday" by New Order, or uh, yeah, by New Order, which 
Dom, if you heard the song, you would know exactly what I'm talking about, but I'm guessing off the name alone, you probably don't. Probably um, not, nope. But that song is so sick and not really a standard walk-up song, but I think if someone came out to uh, to Blue Monday by New Order, I would, like, lose my goddamn mind. I would be like, <laughs> holy shit, I'm a fan of this guy forever. Okay. So, uh, that's uh, that's my last one. Yeah, I uh, also just want to give a shout-out to Love Sosa <laughs> by Chief Keef. I think oh, that- yeah, of course. But I think if you come out to Love Sosa or any Chief Keef, you better fucking... You better fucking win your fight or hit a home run yeah. every at bat. You if, can't. If, if, yeah, you can't lose on that. You can't lose on that. Instant troll material for sure. Um. Yeah. Yeah. So go ahead and go go over to our Twitter and vote for your favorite. We'll have this list up there. See who you guys want, and then uh, you know we'll just we'll start tacking up bragging rights until this gets big enough where we can start wagering bigger things on it. But I think overall, both pretty solid list on our part. Yeah, I feel good about it for sure. All right. Well, folks, this has been another great episode of Down and Out. We thank you guys for tuning in and listening. Be sure to check us out. Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, Google, any place you stream and and get your podcast, any sort of platform, you'll find it. Shout out to our our intro and outro music. That's Man in the Mirror by JD Masters and Buddha. Go check them out on any place you stream music, any sort of platform. Um, You know, it's just been... Great fights coming up tonight. UFC 261 NFL Draft coming up next week. So we're going to talk about a lot of that coming up in our next week's show. A lot of stuff to get to. So, uh, yeah, be sure to follow us on Twitter as well at Down and Out because we're a podcast made by the people for the people. Evan, any last parting words to give to the people? Nope. Just uh, a, a really good week to like sports. It uh, it often is, but you know it's uh, it's 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 always fun when when you got all different types of stuff uh, clashing at the same time. So, absolutely. Well, folks, it's been down and out. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we'll see you guys next time. Later.
Look around, only one that isn't on my wagon now.